0: Welcome to Strictly Business, Variety's podcast featuring conversations with industry leaders about the business of entertainment. I'm Cynthia Littleton, business editor for Variety. Today, my guest in New York is Jeff Valdez. Jeff has worked in the entertainment industry for 30 years. He's a comedian turned producer turned TV entrepreneur. Remember CTV? Jeff launched that channel as a true cable independent back in 2004. Jeff has been frustrated for years at the slow pace of inclusion for Latinx talent at all levels. After studying the issue, Jeff and three partners decided to tackle it head-on as the mission of the newly launched New Cadence Production Venture. In this interview, Jeff talks about what he sees as Hollywood's supply chain problem and why corporate America needs to take some radical steps to ensure its own future. Jeff Valdez, thank you so much for coming to talk with us.
1: My pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: I know that you have recently been on an interesting tour of talking with very prominent industry leaders in entertainment about the persistent lack of meaningful participation of Latinos in the entertainment industry at all levels, in front of the camera, behind the camera, in the executive suites, in in decision-making processes. It's that you'd look at the numbers and it is just it's hard to believe that as a society we haven't we haven't advanced and that we haven't opened doors clearly to people particularly people of Latino backgrounds mm-hmm. tell me about the information that you and some partners have gathered and tell me about some of the things that you are bringing to corporate leaders in entertainment industry leaders and you're sitting down and talking to them about look at the numbers look at the purchasing power of this, of the Latino community in the United States. To talk, talk us through some of the things that you're talking about and tell us about some of the responses that you're hearing.
1: Um, you know, we, we've had some really terrific meetings. Uh, I, I would tell you that in the past, I don't think that there was the receptivity uh, to hearing things uh, from, uh, you know, about this market. And that's changed, I think, drastically recently. Uh, so we really and and what we're doing is not a political. You should do this because this is the right thing. What we're having are conversations about economics, and when you look at the economics of this market, you just can't continue to ignore it. It's a it's a massive market.
0: We've been saying that for twenty years. Twenty now.
1: years. You and I have had this conversation more than a hundred times, right? True. You, but but now now you're literally you're talking about. The the U.S. Latino, not U.S. Latino. First thing is people go Latino equals Spanish language, and it does not. The U.S. Latino audience is 34 compared to 43. We knew that before, but U.S. born is 18. So for the health of any company, you really have to be thinking about this young cohort. And when I say cohort, also, I don't limit it to just the 60 million Latinos in the country. Is, is, you know, my family, there were nine kids, seven married non-Latinos. But the non-Latinos in our family are all culturally Latino. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to be have you know, I, you know have a last name to be a cultural Latino, right? So I'm going to make you a cultural Latino today, uh, Cynthia. So uh, we'll give you the name El Jefe. La Jefa. <laughs> I like
0: it. Thank so, you.
1: Uh, but but again, it, it, it's explaining what we call the new mainstream. Mm-hmm. Because when you look at in in, in a lot of major DMAs, 33 percent of of the uh, under 34 audience in the top 10 DMAs is Latino. That's a real number. And it's the seventh largest global economy, 2.13 trillion in GDP. Uh, there's some new studies coming out that are just really mind-blowing as to the size of it. And there is a uh, obviously an, a, a, a complete lack of content, um, in particular in comedy. You know, we we look at the uh, comedy opportunity as as the jumping off point. Uh, Nielsen will, you know, Nielsen research tells us that, you know, Latinos love comedy. Well, they're not seeing or hearing their cadence. That's the name of the company we started, New Cadence. We're trying to bring a new cadence to the entertainment business.
0: And what, um, what... The, the information that you've gathered about purchasing power about you, you really broken it down into specifics of specific markets for, for everything for phones to insurance policies mm-hmm. to, you know, and when you sit with people and they, they certainly recognize the power of this market, but what, what are, what answers do you hear when we all ask the questions, why are there so few Latinos coming in the door as creative talent, as executive recruits or intern recruits that, you know, that's to start that, to get that foot on the ladder. Like what, what is the block at that point?
1: Well, I, there, there's a couple. Uh, Number one, I, I always use the expression, you can't change tires on the freeway, right? Right. So you've got companies trying to just keep their business uh, running in a time of great disruption. And you uh, have companies that, uh, you know, because they're doing that, they just, they can't just stop and, and change course, right? Uh, that, that's, that's a real big problem right there. And then uh, they're unable to hire the talent they need to go out and get it done because also it's a business of friends and people you know, right? Uh, I live on the west side in, in Beverly Hills and I you know my kids went to private school. So my circle of friends, there is a level of trust there. But a lot of times I always joke that you know uh, people in the development industry in Los Angeles have never been east of Highland. Right? right so you know and 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 i and again well-intended people but if you just don't get it you don't get it so you need to have the right people in place
0: have you looked at all in, as part of this process have you looked at um, efforts that have been done in the past to to open doors whether it's you know uh, mentoring programs or in the creative community you know uh, workshops you know training programs to try to to try to bring people is there anything that is there anything that can work on a level of a of a, of a proactive approach sure. by companies? Um, you know what?
1: I, I think a lot of companies do things like that. Um, and, you know, in, in the name of diversity, and we talked before the interview about kind of diversity is kind of a weird thing these days as you talk about it in a more holistic way. Right? It's
0: become a catch-all term that has become amorphous now.
1: Right and 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 so you know the 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 intern programs and you know the uh, ex, you know that type of stuff um they yield some results, but the reality in this marketplace there are actually really talented people ready to work that are capable of doing shows and and getting things done uh this true story uh, a couple of years ago I was at a um an event and there was a young lady that I knew that was used to be a showrunner on a show I did for Nickelodeon called Brothers Garcia. She was running the room the last year there. And prior to that, she had run another room and she was there at the young writer's table of this company. And I'm like, what are you doing here? She goes, this is the only way I can get in. I had to literally sell myself off as a young writer. I am like, that's absurd. You shouldn't have to do that. So that's, you know, in that they are good, there also needs to be an understanding of, you know, there is talent ready to deploy, right? Because speed to market is critical. I think Netflix has done an amazing job of speed to market and, and, and getting, you know, content out there as opposed to what they call development hell that, you know, is, is a term in Hollywood. Sure. Right. So it's manufacturing. This is really simple manufacturing. And then the other problem, this is something actually, I, I, I we did some very deep research about uh, the, the major studios in Hollywood because we, we were like, why is there a block in the supply chain? Because we, we, and I I think I mentioned this to you before is, so what we did is we built this index and it's a really cool index. We went through every writer and director at every studio and we did their name, their age, their ethnicity, uh, their agency, their agent, how many clients the agent had, how many uh, of those clients were a U.S. Latino, not foreign, right? Because, you know, an Argentinian is very different than somebody who was born in you know, Colorado, as I was. Sure. Uh, they're just their cultural experience. Uh, with their, their first film ever, uh, their last film, uh, their most recent film and their box office. So when we built this index, we, we found some very interesting things that validated some other stuff that's out there and went a little deeper is, you know, uh, the average age is, it's, you know, like 85%. The studio is about 85% are male. If some cases, ninety. You're talking about filmmakers, filmmakers mm-hmm. and TV TV mm-hmm. shows, and then you get into uh, um, uh, of of those. It's you know, there's seven tenths of one percent are Latino U.S. Latino, because what happens? They'll say like Alfonso Cuaron and Guillermo del Toro, and I, I understand that people think that, but they're they're Mexican Mexicans. Like my wife's from Mexico City; she's a Mexican Mexican. I'm a Mexican American. There's a difference. But people just think, you know, Mexican, like kind of what Trump said the other day of all of the Mexican countries of Guatemala and Honduras. I'm like, wow, really? So even our president doesn't understand our our countries. I know you're shocked. So, um, so so when we looked at that, the supply chain in the very beginning, you have uh, um, the all the studios use three agencies, sell them 75% of their writers and directors. So, in those studios, there's seven-tenths of 1% of the writers and directors that are US, U.S. Latino. And amazingly, up at the top where the programming is, it's about the same seven-tenths. So, when people say, well, we haven't done very well. We could do better. I, I very politely say, well, actually, you can't. It's mathematically impossible for you to do better because you would have to change the whole, mm-hmm. not only, you have to change all four tires on the car. So what we're proposing is going outside of the traditional structure and we have to in order to make this happen.
0: The traditional world of of writers develop scripts, you know, writers start to get get some traction, they get an agent, they kind of get into the system, the pipeline right. of develop of, you know, because we all know everything starts with the scripts. Sure. Um and how would you, how do you, how do you, when you say go outside, do you mean more aggressive efforts to look for talent in untapped places to, to make people aware, even people aware at a young age that writing and producing and being an executive, that, no, the, no, that no. these a, are, that these are even open to them?
1: There, there's, like I said, there's talent ready to go. Um, you know, I, I remember when we went, when we did the Brothers Garcia series for Nickelodeon, there were no real comedy writers out there. This was 15 years ago. And I met folks. I read them, and I said, you, "You know, you're 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 capable. I can read your script. Tell your I can tell you're competent." And say with directors, we gave breaks to a dozen new writers and a dozen new directors on one show. And so it's not about getting them in an intern program. It's about finding smart people and giving them the opportunity. Because everybody, I assume, somebody probably met you one day and said, "You know what? She's really smart and talented, and I'm going to give her her shot." Right that just happens and we need to do more of that and that doesn't mean that you know people we we want you know to identify new talent and get them in the agencies so the agencies can diversify their 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 offering and uh and also existing talent there's a lot of really really terrific talent
0: um and what is the you know when you sit and talk do you, do you, are you pressing people for a commitment for any kind of response or are you try, trying to, is this a consciousness raising effort?
1: Well, no, no, this is a, this is a business effort. Um, I'm, I'm very fortunate that one of my partners is a guy named Sol Trujillo and Sol is the, he ran U.S. West. He was the chairman and CEO and he ran, um, Telstra in Australia and, uh, did some really innovative stuff down there and he ran, uh, uh, orange in Europe mm. So having a guy like that as a partner, he's you know I'm the creative guy, but he's always about you know the bottom line business. He's the closer. So, uh, pardon me. Um, that 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 is uh, um, job one and everything we go to is educate and then you know cut deals because that's what has to happen, right? We have to really uh, um, and 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 what I love about him, he's he's about like we're not going to take two months to negotiate this. I want. You know this done in very short order, and and literally we've gone literally in the past two months from just, just talking about this to I, I can't get into a lot of detail, but some terrific uh, results that I think we're uh, that we're going to yield soon. Mm-hmm.
0: Is there is there a deficit of awareness of the opportunities in the entertainment industry in? What you would call the Latino community, which I know is not a monolith by any means, Zero. a monolithic. That's but, the problem.
1: People go, "We're going to make something for Latinos." I'm like, w- w- "What does that mean? Right? Which Latinos? What age? What? What? Where? What are the uh, market segments you're talking about? It's a business proposition.
0: But are there areas? Are there you know areas of Los Greater Los Angeles outside of the West Side? Mm-hmm. Are there areas of Houston? Are there areas? Are there programs that could be done in schools? Is there things to just even? again, even to spark the fire of interest in a budding comedian or director or, you know, future CEO?
1: You know, I think the most powerful thing to do is when I, I years ago, when I first came to Los Angeles, I, I, you know, I was a guy from Colorado. I'd never even been on a sound stage <laughs> and, and I did this show called Comedy Compadres. And it was Carlos Mencia's first show ever. He was the host of it. And I was just, you know, this complete nobody from L.A. And I mean, I was freaking out that I got to do the show. We had like $10,000 for the budget. <laughs> and imagine a $10,000 budget show. And I barely was able to fill eight, eight, uh, eight shows with comedians. And we were on KTLA. And we were up against, at the time, David Letterman, Jay Leno, uh Chevy Chase, and Arsenio Hall. And we beat them most every Friday night. Of course we did. And we would do it again in L.A. because... People connected to it. And what happened to answer your question is people saw themselves and they said, Hey, if Carlos Mencia can do it, this kid named Fluffy Iglesias used to mm-hmm. watch that show. Uh-huh. And Gabriel Iglesias said, wow, if that guy can do it, I can do it. And then somebody saw Fluff. So, so when you see yourself, you go, well, hell, that's not, you know, an impossible dream. Because, believe me, a lot of young Latinos dream about doing it, but when they see it as opposed to, hey, let's go to a school or let's have an outreach program, just you've you got to have the, the product on the screen. And that'll, believe me, more than open the
0: doors. You can't be what you can't see.
1: That's a, I'm going to steal that
0: from you. Thank you. Or I would say it's harder to be what you can't see. It's perhaps.
1: infinitely harder.
0: Well, let's shift gears. You're also involved in a in a venture that is t- is tapping into what seems to be a really growing field right now of the world of live experiences, mm-hmm. which is kind of you know it it seems like it it says a lot about our wired and crazy screen connected world that we're now seeking seeking opportunities to have live experiences as opposed to living in the world right but um but you are putting your producer and your comedian's brain onto a pro- onto developing a project, a big uh, real estate development mm-hmm. project outside of Tucson. Tell us about how that ha- came well, about.
1: Uh, a friend of mine called me and he said, uh, um, "I bought a uh, a mall." It's like, honey, we bought a mall, and, <laughs> and he got this amazing deal on it. And it was in—it's a mall in Tucson, and um, and and he said, you know, what do you think? Let's do something really cool with it. And and I was like, great! And so we got in the sandbox and we just started playing. And basically, uh, it's a two hundred fifty thousand square. It's a six hundred thousand square foot mall, but the footprint we're doing is about a quarter million square feet. And it's going to have instead of a traditional mall, which has about seventy five percent retail, twenty five percent food, our retail is going to be wallless. So you don't really know when you're going from one into the next. The food is aligned with the retail, so when you're buying something. That you can relate to as a consumer, you can also enjoy food that might want to cater to you. So, kind of, we kind of do that online, but now we're doing that with with exper real experiential. There's activities because uh, I, I remember when I'd, I'd met with a friend of mine, our kids grew up together, and I said, you know, living in LA when my kids were younger, because I well, and you went through this too. Is is you know if I wanted they wanted paintball they'd have to go all the way to south into town like a ninety minute drive and they wanted rock wall they'd have to go to Santa Monica if they wanted laser tag they'd have to go to Van Nuys so this is all that under one roof that's the activity side and then there's the entertainment side which includes a fifteen screen theater and uh, that's actually already currently there just went through a big remodel and um, and then we're doing these really cool uh, they're, they're sweets. They're uh, the easiest way to describe it is like the ultimate man cave, you know? And I, I don't want to say that because it's inclusive of male, female. It's not exclusive to, to men, obviously. And, uh, cause I was raised by five sisters and they'd kill me for doing something like that. <laughs> and, uh, um, and, and, literally you can go in there it's got the most outrageous, you know, sound and and TV and set up and, and comfortable chairs and you can order food from your phone. And, uh, uh, and drinks from your phone. So, you know, my wife doesn't like when I have friends over to watch the games on Sunday. So I'll just go rent one of these, right? When we ultimately roll them out and, and I can go and watch the game with my friends instead of a sports bar where you can't hear the game. And, and when they're not being used for sports, gamers can use them. Uh, they can also, uh, uh karaoke and then also for corporate events. And then we've also got this, we're kind of recreating the comedy club because I used to own a comedy club mm-hmm. back. Back in the day, you know, and, and, you know, it was like, you know, Roseanne used to work there when she was just a, a housewife from Denver and, uh, uh, Sinbad and Ellen DeGeneres, you know, everybody did the circuit and came through Colorado
0: Springs. What was the name of your club?
1: It was called Jeff Eldez's Comedy Corner. <laughs> and it's so funny, Sinbad was on Ellen recently and he said, Where do we meet? I don't remember. She asked him that. and He goes, You don't remember? It was a Jeff Eldez Comedy Corner. So he, he was a nice plug, but it lives um, on. Still lives on. And, uh, um, you know and 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 the the new environment we're creating is going to be a comedy room but when it's not being used for cuz you know comedy shows only last 3 hours a night 4 hours on the weekend and then the rooms just empty the rest of the time so we're turning the room into a gaming arena and, and an esports uh, arena so it'll be esports all the other time corporate events and comedy so everything is constantly fluid and constantly working in in this uh new uh, project that we're doing And it's really been a lot of fun because it's, you know, it's like I told my partner, I said, you're not in the real estate business anymore. You're in the entertainment business.
0: And how is it for you to look at instead of, you know, instead of working on a script to look at blueprints and use your, you know, use your creative muscles to think about how you could make, how you could make these, these individual spaces, really cool entertainment experiences.
1: You know what? It's not much different. (laughs) It's, as I told you. You're ideating. Right. You're, you're literally, you're developing something you know, you, you, when you go build, you know, when you write a script, you write the treatment, you know, and then you, you know, I always tell people, if you don't have the treatment, that's the blueprint, right? And then you get into the, the real, the real site plans and, and the details of it. And, and, and that's the actual script part. And then there's the marketing of it. It's very similar. I told him, my, my, my bud, Don Bourne, I said, this is like producing a TV show. It's really not much different, but it's real estate. It's just, diff- you know, it's different because it's real estate but it's not much different at all really.
0: So there there are skills that you can t- they that, that do translate that you learn in Hollywood that you that do translate outside to Absolutely. other industries. That's, Absolutely. I think that's that's good news for people. Yeah. Um I know, you know, uh, when we first met you were um just at the outset of of a really impressive run of you launched you know one of the few that you can count on two hands the number of truly independent from scratch cable channels that mm-hmm. have been launched in the last, you know, going on, let's call it 15, 16 years, right. and one of them was CTV, mm-hmm. which is now the Fuse channel. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us what that experience, you know, going soup to nuts from the idea to raising the money to, to cajoling cable operators to carry it, what did what did that process, you know, going on 15 plus years ago now, what did that process teach you about the industry? <laughs> about the television uh, about, industry okay. about uh, about well, high finance um
1: well first of all I, I when we first came to new york to raise the money for it uh you know because i was very passionate about getting it done because it's like you know and here i'm having the same conversation we need more content for our community you know all these years later right. uh and we used to we used to jokingly point to all the buildings where we had been rejected and then it got to a point where we'd point to the buildings we hadn't been rejected because we literally, we made the rounds and went to everybody. And, and this is
0: at the financing stage or at the, the partner finance, stage at the financing? Stage. financing.
1: And I, I was telling somebody uh, yesterday the story when, because what had happened is you would have the distributors because they were, you know, they were the gatekeepers and they, and then you had the finance saying, well, we can't give you distribution until we know you have the financing. We love the idea, but you need the financing. And the finance guy's going, well, we can't give you, <laughs> you know, uh, find money until we know you have distribution. So we were in a meeting one day and, and um, somebody said, well, you know, we would love to love the idea. We'll give, we'll give you distribution. Do you have the, you know, whatever, $70, $80 million at the time to launch this? And I looked at him and I said, yeah. You know, just flat out lied. <laughs> and, and my partner jerks next to me. He walks out and he goes, are you nuts? You just told him we had $70 million. I'm like, yeah. And he believed me, didn't he? And he said, what are we going to do? I said, well, now we're going to go to the finance people and say, we have a commitment for distribution. Will you finance this? And And that's exactly what we did. Then we used that little white lie to uh, to get money because then we had distribution now.
0: It's a, it sounds easy in the retelling, but I'm guessing it took a lot to a, a lot of oh. spine.
1: Oh, it was to it pull was.
0: off and to make sure that everybody got to the same point. At the, oh yeah, when yeah you I had mean, the, when when push came to shove, you had that seventy million dollars in your pocket well, or in it, your bank account. I'll tell you
1: the dumbest thing I will tell you I ever did in the in the process was uh, I had a meeting with uh, uh, uh with Bob Iger one time, and and um and Bob loved the idea of it, and he's like, how about I just write a check for the whole thing. And, and, and this is, I, I will always remember what kind of idiot I was. And I said, um, I looked at him and I said, uh, no, thank you. Uh, I, I, I just want part of it. And he says, why would you not take a full check? I, I said, because, well, if you write a big check like that, that makes you an expert in what I'm an expert in. And I don't need any more experts around the table right now. I got this. And he looked at me, he says, M- my, you're rather cocky, aren't you? I said, no, I just know what I'm doing. And, and, and if I, you know, if you guys own it, then we'll just be, you know, uh, beholden to you and we want to build value for you. So you have to trust that we know what we're doing. And, uh, there's a whole another long story around that whole thing. But, uh, um, you know, it was, it was, that was the dumbest move I've ever made. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and just think, you know, what, what might, what might've been well.
1: Well, um... and, and, and by the way, on the advert, that was just on the finance and the advertising. Once we launched. We had to go out, and you know, we'd go to the we'd go to the general market ad agencies, and they'd say, "Hey, this is great. We love the programming, love love the reel, uh, but your last name is Valdez. Uh, you should go to the Hispanic agencies." Then we go to the Hispanic agencies, and they say, "Well, wait a second. Well, this is programming in English. We only do Spanish language. You should go to the, the the general market agencies." So there, so we ended up just going directly to the brands uh, because that was the only way we could sell it in.
0: Do you think that, um, in your experience, do you think that, that the advertising and financing is there, are they a little more enlightened or is there more openness? Well, to, there's a lot
1: of money out there right now. I could tell you that. Um, like you private know, equity. Yeah. Money I think s- there's, there's, searching more, for content. there's more money than there is places to put it. Quite mm. frankly, mm-hmm. I think people are going to start burying it in coffee cans in their backyard. <laughs> uh, because there, there's just a lot out there. Um, I, I think they're yes, they're open to it. um, you know, I think there was like the, the when the the Disney um, Televisa thing didn't work. Uh, uh, that that I, I I don't think that helped the market. Um, you know, because everything if they can't do it, you know, and, and my... oh, the fu- you are talking about the fusion, fusion thing. I think yeah. I think that was harmful to the market. Um, you know, in my perspective at that time was look, um, you guys you, you've hired uh, Televisa who's never produced two seconds of content in English. They're a Spanish language programmer, and it's in Miami. And you know the the joke about Miami is I love Miami because it's so conveniently located in the United States, <laughs> right? Well, Miami is a Spanish Spanish non market. So I think when you look at it from the architecture of it, there were some missteps as, as people make all the time. Um, and um, you know, as, as in in CTV, we had I I thought we did a lot of great things. And uh, one of the things I will tell you that I didn't do well is I didn't learn the difference between a Venture capitalists and a vulture capitalist. And there is a big difference. So that's, that's for the book I'm going to write that hopefully you'll help me someday.
0: Yeah. <laughs> suffice it to say here that you did part ways, uh, a few years in. Yes. With, with CTV. After
1: being immensely successful, I somehow managed to, uh, part ways
0: as you say a, a story for another time story
1: for another time
0: well you certainly have no shortage of irons in the fire and interesting things happening now thank you so much for coming in and and talking to us about about issues that are not easy to talk about and it's especially great to have somebody coming at it from with a real business perspective not a you should or this is the moral thing to do but this is this is the business thing to do this is the bottom line that you need to because that is the thing as we all know as much as everybody wants to do good you, you got to move markets. And well, it sounds and, and like that's the goods.
1: If I can say one, one one real thing about that too is when you look, at, you know, part of our pitch right now we tell people is look, you, th- there's a strain on the supply on on writers and directors because there's so so many people buying content now, and it's the same people over and over, and and they're going making content for an audience that's actually shrinking, you know, because every I think it's every minute two Latinos turn 18 and two non-Hispanics turn retire four non-Hispanics turn retirement age every minute. So you're making content for a shrinking audience. Whereas we're saying we have a, 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 a wealth of writers and directors that's growing in an, audi- uh, an audience that's growing. So you do that properly, you experience top-line growth. And as you know, to get top-line growth, you have to have bodies. People have to go in, it has to the GDP and all, all the, the different economic factors have to happen and and you can't grow without people for top line growth and we're growing you look at a, a lot of big companies i want to say like in 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 the banking industry uh, uh their growth is like 70 60 70% based from the us uh, latino market uh in in walmart it's like 80% i mean some of the big big uh, uh, industries out there all their growth right now not not their revenue their growth is all coming from hispanic
0: when do you think that we will see the first the first fruits of New Cadence. Do you think shows, movies, are you focused on television right now?
1: TV and movies, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, before the end of this year.
0: Great. All right. Well, we will definitely stay tuned for that. Jeff, thank you so much. Thanks for coming in to talk about important issues. Well, thank you. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Strictly Business.